Hey, welcome to another episode of my podcast. What you're about to listen to is a conversation I had with Reina, who is a dental student and also an amazing content creator on YouTube. In this episode, we cover her mindset for creating content, personal growth, and overcoming self-limitations. And before we begin, if you find this episode or any other episodes in my podcast useful, please do give it a nice review so that it gets shown to more people. I would really appreciate that. All right, let's get started. So uh, could you tell everyone um, what you do and what are you known for? Okay, so um, hi everyone. My name is Raina. I'm um, a fourth year dental student at Sheffield and I started my YouTube channel, Raina on the Cusp, last year at the end of April. Um, I also have an Instagram page by the same name and basically I make videos about studying, productivity, um, getting into dental school, uh, showing my life as a dental student, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think, I just want to say 10 months and you've done a lot. And if you've not seen her channel, I think you should check, her, check it out. You say oh, Raina you. on the cusp? Raina on the cusp, yeah. yes. Bit of a strange name, so, I know. <laughs> for anyone who, okay, for, for a lot of people who don't know what a cusp is, what is a cusp? Okay, so a cusp is the pointy part of a molar tooth. So your molar teeth are at the back, right at the back of your mouth. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like one of the pointy sections of it. And um, basically it was a bit of a play on words. So, you know, being on the cusp of something, finding something out and then relating that to dentistry as well. I think that, yeah, no, that, that, that makes like, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> did you think of that? Did you, did you think of that uh, immediately when you started or is that something you changed over time? Yeah, I thought of the name when I started and recently I've been thinking, I don't know, maybe I want to build a bit more of a personal brand. So maybe potentially changing that I'm not saying anything yet but I feel like people connect with your full name a lot better online and um, although my name has Raina in it it doesn't have the full name so I don't know I'd be interested to see what your thoughts are on this so I, I spoke to Kieran who I don't know if you've seen his work another Indian yeah. doctor yeah so yeah, I, it was before yeah. it was another Indian doctor and it's not anymore and we had a conversation in our last podcast about uh, personal brand and I told him it was a good idea to just put your name on because it's unique. I mean, you may not be the only Kiran Morjaria, but you know, it, it is very unique to you and I think it's great. So, and for me, I, I also thought that I should put names on names like this by Arun, as opposed yeah. to just having my full name. And now my name is everywhere because I, I realized I don't want to box myself into anything. Like I know what the niche is, but name wise, mm -hmm. I didn't want to. So my opinion is that I think you started off really well and transitioning now to uh, your name and keeping it all about you it is a great way because the people that listen to you are listening to you because of you, because there's a lot of content for dentistry and yeah. for healthcare in general, but they're listening because of you. So I think, yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because in the dental community, a lot of people um, have some sort of dental name online. Um, and I think when I started, I wanted to obviously, you know, fit in and, and be a part of that community and um, do something a bit different. So I thought, let's come up with this name. And although I really like it, I do, I do really like the name. I'm, yeah, I'm having some thoughts recently about going a different way with it. Yeah, fair enough. And but it's only and the thing is, it's only been 10 months. and I think you've done a really good job at uh, creating videos and also branding yourself, because even your first video, um, it was great. It, it was it was just the, the framing, the lighting. I mean, it's like my first like video was painful. <laughs> my first video was painful. <laughs> it didn't look like it. It didn't look like it. I oh, think it was gosh. really I think it was really well done because sometimes, you know, you, you give this advice that you should uh, just put out your work it's better to just put out crap work and then slowly yeah. build up over time but i thought your first video was pretty good so oh thank you before but what made you decide that okay this is what i'm going two questions why did you want to create youtube videos and why did you want to go into this niche um okay so i started my channel in lockdown last year so uh one of the reasons i was looking for something to do um, I've always 
really enjoyed speaking and presenting and um, not necessarily being on camera but kind of like performing. Um, I've had a bit of a background in performing arts and acting and things like that. Um, so it it kind of all fit together quite well. I didn't know much about cameras and um, like videography and that side of things, which I picked up along the way. Um, and the reason I started doing dental content, I guess, you know, teach what you know. Um, and I felt very comfortable about speaking um, on topics like getting into dental school, um, showing my day-to-day -day life. I think there's quite a big gap as well in the YouTube scene uh, with dental students and dentistry. I think there's a, a lot of medical students um, and doctors and, and people from, from medical backgrounds, which is great. Um, but I did see, you know, there's not as many people and a lot of people wanted to know what a day in the life of a dental student looks like or a week in the life of a dental student looks like. Um, and fortunately enough, my dental school were really, really lovely and they gave me permission to film around dental school, which was great. So I could show people that. Um, and I, I did some UCAT content, some personal statement content, interview content, uh, all of those kind of application type videos. And yeah, I, I think it's been just such an incredible opportunity to meet people, people like you, um, and get involved with different things. Um, creating content online, it's, it's a vehicle for opportunity. And I, as someone that really wasn't that into social media before doing all of this, I now see the benefits of it, uh, especially in terms of the dental community. You can connect with so many people, um, you can learn from people around the world, and you can help applicants as well from all over the place. Yeah, and I, in terms of the, what you said about medicine and medic community on YouTube and yeah. also social media, I think there's also a lot more of us in terms of just like yes. the yeah. number of students. But it is interesting because uh, I don't actually know how the dental community and how social media has been growing with with dentistry. So yeah. uh, like the biggest, who is the biggest UK dental YouTuber? Um, that... It's a very good question. So when you say Have... medicine, okay, who's the biggest medical YouTuber? <laughs> Um, well, straight away, sort of Ali Abdal, Karma Medic type names come to mind, I guess. Yeah, so um, yeah. Uh, who else would they be? Is it Ed Hope's Sick Notes, I think? I don't know, yeah, but see, that, okay, so for medicine, we know. So I'm just saying yeah. for dentistry, I mean, who who is like kind of leading the way in terms of... <laughs> so I'm going to say that I'm... because it takes you a while. Yeah. There's, there's a gap. Um, yeah, there's absolutely a gap. Yeah, to, yeah, exactly. Like I'm, to be honest, I don't know who is leading the way. I can name a few people that I think, you know, are in and amongst everyone else making videos, great content. I don't, I can't think of someone in the UK. There's a lot of American dental students that are quite big. There's like Laura Smiles. Um, I can't remember another name, but there are quite a few more people in the US. Um, in terms of the UK, I think there is a, is a gap in the market um, and that is why I kind of thought that that would be a massive strength for my niche because there is that gap um, but I found I've I've kind of found in my videos that they have done quite well but there seems to be just a bit of a cap on the growth because um, like you were saying there was a lot more medical students and people uh, interested in medicine but I don't know because if they're you know, it, is the audience a lot smaller in dentistry and that's why I haven't kind of seen the same response necessarily. Yeah, so I don't know if that's, they, why, yeah. that's why in my head I'm thinking that maybe, you know, because there are less uh, students getting into dentistry, uh, the, the whole um, demand for uh, social media content might be less. But I mean, that yeah. that doesn't mean much because it's about just hitting the niche and just getting the most out of it. But yeah. that's, so in your mind... Yeah, so in your mind, in terms of growth, uh, I, I think in 10 months, you've done a really good job. So what do you think can help you a little more with this cap and moving forward? I've been trying to do more general videos geared towards students and um, like productivity and all of those 
uh, areas that I'm also interested in and trying to aim them at a broader audience, not just dental students. And I think they've they've definitely helped quite a lot. Um, YouTube obviously, you know, is with social media, it's all a long game. So it's very difficult to say exactly which piece of content will most resonate with people. But, you know, consistency is, is definitely the biggest thing that I've learned along this journey and, and just to keep showing up every week or, you know, however many times you post. Um, and yeah, eventually things will start to grow. I've been really lucky that I've um, managed to help quite a lot of people so far, which has been really, really nice. Um, and, and just going back to sort of with the dental community and social media, it's quite funny because with dentistry, it's a lot of it with dental practices is quite business orientated and a lot of dentists do use social media to you know market their practice and um, get, attract more patients and I would say actually dentists generally tend to use more social media in that aspect than doctors because often a lot of doctors you know that they, they tend to just work in the NHS so there isn't really a need for marketing as such I don't know if that's something that you've found on Instagram, for sure, I've seen a lot yeah. more dentists actually display their work because a lot of doctors, I mean, maybe because of confidentiality, there's not so much you can take photos of. But for yeah. for, for Instagram and, and TikTok, uh, I think, you know, <laughs> I, I've seen dentists really do a lot more with it than for me, what I've seen doctors do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the um, in terms of showing up, I think one of the hardest things for a lot of people when they care about something and they know they can help a niche is to be able to consistently show up and you've yeah. done that. So what I want to know is really what keeps you showing up week on week, knowing that this is something that you, you, you should be doing. Um, okay. So there are many different sides to this. Um, one, I, really really enjoy helping people and the feeling that I get from doing that is definitely a driving force and it doesn't matter if that is one person or whether that is you know 1000 people um I still every time I get a message from someone saying absolutely anything about my content it's the best thing um secondly in the future I think I want a kind of life where I can do little bits of different things so I don't just want to be a dentist I want to have content creation for as long as possible you know as long as the platforms are around and I like the idea of doing you know two to three days in dentistry and then maybe two days of content creation or you know two days um, potentially doing some volunteering somewhere something like that like kind of diversifying my skill set is something that I've always really really aspire to and with creating content online there's a lot of flexibility with how you do it where you do it how often you do it and also the monetization part of it um the the whole sort of you know aspect of creating content you can reach so many people um and i think i think as well as as well as it kind of supporting my dentistry and, and dental career um it allows you to get across kind of your values and things that you believe in to a lot more people um so yeah in terms of being consistent I think just remembering what I think I want my life to look like maybe in five to ten years down the line um and also I, I do I do really really enjoy it I I love filming and I like you know writing scripts thinking of video ideas um, it gives me something else to do, something else to focus on. Um, yeah, I'd say those are my main reasons. That's a lot of reasons and they're very sustainable as well because um, it's like having having a future plan and knowing that this could possibly help. I think for a lot of people, that might be a very common thing to have where it's like, okay, I'm going to build this brand on, on YouTube or whichever platform and it's going to help my my thing that I'm interested in. But that doesn't mean that they'll show up every single day. So because after a while, it gets a bit tiring, like it, especially at the beginning, when you put things out, you're excited, you're like, Oh, okay, people are liking it, I'm getting likes, whatever, I'm getting engagement. Yeah. And over time, you're just fighting for more and more. It's it's, 
that initial at least for me like the initial uh, uh satisfaction you get is gone but the only yeah. way to keep going is to have all these other reasons why you're doing it it's honestly amazing to me how quickly you adjust to numbers and external validation um so that's why i think like internally having your reasons really clear and set out is is the most important thing from the very beginning right because you, you yeah. we, i mean you can say that looking at the youtube uh studio and looking at the analytics can really get to you i guess if you really keep staring at it like it's drugs yeah. and but after a while you can only focus on creating a good video and giving people value but once you lose sight yeah, of that exactly. i assume it's over like I mean, it can be over and you, that's why you don't want it to reach to that point. Um, I just want to add to that as well, that I, as well as obviously being consistent and showing up every week, I think it's really, really important to look after your mental health as well and make sure that, you know, it's, it's okay in the future if something that you liked to do isn't something that you will continue to do I think it's okay to let go of things so like every week week on week I just make sure that I'm still happy with what I'm doing but how do you how do you ensure your mental well-being is maintained uh at this point because you know that okay so you're self-aware about it but how do you ensure that your mental well-being is optimized so that you can continue putting out your best work yeah so um so recently I'd say from the new year if I feel like I don't want to film that day, for example, I will make sure that my schedule and my time management is in place in such a way that I can allow myself to feel the things that I'm feeling, if that makes sense. So yeah, of course, yeah. I've stopped trying to force myself to do things just to do things. Um, and I'm like trying to be more kind to myself and, and acknowledge my feelings um it all sounds a little bit cliche and and <laughs> um because it not very no because it <laughs> yeah. works it, it, it yeah. works you have to do it yeah yeah so um so yeah as i was saying if i if i don't feel like doing something that day in terms of content creation um things that things that i just clarify things that i don't have to do um, I won't do it. I, I will make sure that I have some other time another day where I'm feeling a lot better, feeling a lot more mentally calm, happy, and I will do it then. And do you only, would you say you only create when you're in the right headspace or do you sometimes feel that sometimes you just have to push on? How do you, or do you completely only wait till you're better and then you create? Um, I try to wait until I am feeling very happy with, you know, the video idea, the script, the setup, everything. But I also do recognize, you know, that sometimes there will be slight hurdles and obstacles along the way where maybe I'm not feeling so good about that thing. Um, I do have my own insecurities as a lot of people do. Um, sometimes I will see myself on camera and I'm thinking, oh gosh, today is not my day, but I, I will push through that feeling because I know that the, the potentially the value that I'm gonna put, put out is going to help more people than me feeling a temporary feeling in that moment. That's such a good point because the reason why I'm asking you is because I think that a lot of people want to create content, but there's a lot of, uh, let's say, how do I say, unsavory times in, in one's life where then do you just wait till you feel better and then create content? Because sometimes if you just wait till then, th there becomes this gap and then a lot of people then stop off and then they drop off. So, uh, but like what you just said if you just keep remembering why you're doing it and the people that you benefit i feel that that really helps and for anyone wanting to do it when you're not feeling great but you know you're helping others that might really help yeah everything's a balance right <laughs> it has to be yeah yeah definitely and and just staying on track with why you're doing it but you know i i don't think from your videos that i can tell like you're confidence felt like it was on point from the very beginning uh, maybe that's because of what you were doing in the past but how do you deal with feeling secure and confident on camera and on youtube oh i don't know if i deal with it necessarily i think that's quite a strong <laughs> way of putting it um i <laughs> yeah so 
with YouTube, I, I mean, I have a very good support system around me. I, I have my boyfriend who supports me a lot. So he uh, helps me a lot with the editing um, and making sure, you know, the workload is, is managed. And this is something that we both said from the beginning of our channel that if one of us was busy, like the other one would pick up a bit more. Um, if I was busy, he would do a bit more. But we, in terms of the way it works, um, I script, I film, um, I edit a lot of it um, and he will kind of do little bits here and there. So he has definitely supported me a lot and pulled me through times where I'm not feeling that good about something um, and reminded me, you know, just put it out there. You have worked hard on this. Um, someone will gain value from this. Nothing is ever perfect, right? So y you just have to kind of remember that every day you can get a tiny, tiny bit better. So I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits, but there's that quote, you know, if you get 1% better each day at the end of the day, at the end of the year, sorry, you'll be 37 times better. Uh, that is something that really sticks in my mind because every week I think, okay, so these are the things I did well in this video. Um, and these are the things I can improve on. And it's just doing that process again and again. Um, and yeah, I think that's... <laughs> any conversation I've had about making YouTube videos and content in general and confidence, it's like you don't really become more confident in a way, but you you accept what you're putting out. And if you just focus on creating things better each time, then you accept more, at least for me, because nothing really changes other than your perception of what you're creating. And and if you're if you're happy with your work from the very beginning, then that's that you've already reached an ideal moment. But, uh, yeah, so I guess, yeah, having a support system is something that's very important and having a community that, uh, is also creating and for you, maybe, you know, how, how has, uh, have you created like a dental community that creates, uh, content? Yeah, there is quite a big community of, uh, dental students and dentists and, um, members of the dental team that are on social media and create content. I'd say it's mainly Instagram um, and a bit of TikTok. Uh, less so YouTube, I think, because of the amount of effort that goes into YouTube. It really is uh, basically a part-time job, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot harder to make one video as, as opposed to, you know, post one picture, for example. Um, so there's, yeah, there's definitely a big community and I, I'm very grateful that there are other like-minded people out there because that was one of my big insecurities starting on social media is that would there be people out there that, you know, want to do the same thing? Potentially will I get made fun of for putting myself out there? Um, at my dental school, it's not a very common thing, uh, to be online and, and kind of advocate for being a, a dental student. So in a way I was, yeah, I would say very, very nervous about the whole thing, but lockdown definitely helped. I didn't see many people uh, around the time that I started. Hmm. Yeah. And generally, how do you feel about your, like this feeling of judgment or fear of judgment? How has that changed in the last 10 months? Um, well, it's definitely helped that I have seen very, very few people. Um, I, I can't say what it would have been like if I'd have done this before the pandemic. I think I would have been a lot more nervous because I would be seeing people in lectures every day. Whereas now I, th there just hasn't been that thing for, for a year. Um, generally, everyone that I've come across has been quite supportive, actually, which has been really really nice I think I'm more critical and more <laughs> judgmental of myself than maybe other people are of me which is quite interesting I'm 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 very sure that all of us are more judgmental on ourselves and um I I yeah it's a it's a it's I, I've been covering this constantly nearly on every episode but so I'm not going to go further into it yeah I remember reading I remember reading your newsletter. I think it was the self-limiting triad. Is that correct? Yes. And yes yeah, which you I spoke about. <laughs> it was great, though. I really, really enjoyed that, and yeah, definitely resonated a lot with me with what you were saying about ourselves holding. You know, we're holding ourselves back with things. 
I think we are. And it's quite harsh sometimes. I don't want to tell people that you're the reason why you're holding yourself back. Like, I don't want to say it out to you, but I want to make it clear that, 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 that the people that you think are holding you back are usually not, like, they're not holding you back. There, there are a lot of shitty people in this world uh, that, that will make you feel shitty, but, but they're not physically or, 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 or like, a lot of them are not, like, actually holding you back in any form. So that, that that's kind of what I wanted to get into. And uh, I think in terms of, like, fear of judgment or just putting yourself out there in social media, um, do you ever feel like in the last year when there's a lot of things on social media that's being shared and there's a lot of social media activism, as you create content that doesn't have to do anything with that, do you ever feel like, okay, how do I deal with these topics or do I just maybe not deal with it, at least not on my brand? Yeah, massively. Um, I think that was, I mean, there's been so many things that have happened in the past year and, and every time something has happened, I... It's very difficult to speak on absolutely every matter. I I'd want to, I you know I, w I want to kind of show up when when it's needed and say the right things at the right time. But there can be issues that are very difficult to navigate, especially in a public space um, where a lot of people are listening to what you're saying um, and interacting with what you're saying. Things can be taken the wrong way. Um, but I think that. As a creator, you do have some sort of responsibility, I think, to speak upon things, um, especially if something matters to you. I think if something does really, you know, uh, resonate with you and, and it's affecting you personally, I think that's a, a great thing to, to, to bring light upon. Um, I've not spoken too much about mental health on my platforms, but that is something that I think about a lot um, by myself. And it's something that I do want to explore a little bit more. Um, for example, I think by the time this podcast goes up, I will have a video about imposter syndrome on my YouTube channel. Uh, that is something that affects me a lot. <laughs> um, I, I'm constantly thinking, you know, why would anyone listen to me? Like, th there's just, yeah, there's just nothing special about what I'm doing. Like, I always have these kinds of uh, intrusive thoughts. So that is something that I think I want to start maybe speaking up about a bit more and see what the reception is like. So, so going into a little bit about mental well-being, but do you ever think, so I think I've thought about this a few times. Should we be naming something like imposter syndrome as a different uh, category as mental health? So if we talk about mental health, we're talking about maybe clinical mental health. We're talking about depression, anxiety, uh, borderline personality disorders. So things that we consider as clinical. And then we have a middle ground of conditions where it's our, uh, let's say a mental, that's what I was saying, mental well-being, where it's like imposter syndrome, uh, self-limiting beliefs, confidence. And then I kind of talk about mental optimization, where then you put in things like spirituality and uh, minimalism, where you can like pinpoint your mind so you can focus more. So there's several levels of mental health. And what do you think about like grouping them all together or should we start to like separate it out so that, you know, we get away from healthcare? Definitely there needs to be a distinction with, with some of those categories because obviously there are people that suffer very badly with, with mental health that, that, you know, is clinically, you'll need, potentially need medication um, and a lot more support with it. But, I, the, I, so I've, I've never been diagnosed with anything, um, but I kind of, over the years, want, wanted to be more in touch with ways I was feeling. Like, I can feel quite down. I can feel quite um, sort of high as well. Um, but I think it's important to recognise one's emotions and, and develop sort of systems to deal with it. Um, Emotional intelligence, I think, is something that people don't really talk about. Um, and I found in my experience and, and the people around me, the more I go through life, the more important it is to be able to deal with your feelings um, properly and in a way that is healthy so that you can continue to do the things that you love. And you don't want that to get in the way necessarily, if that makes sense. But I, I agree with you. I think there, there needs to be 
some sort of distinction with with different categories i think sort of the clinical side of it is quite different um not that there aren't sort of practices and methods and things that can't work for a, a whole group of people um but i think the severity is what differentiates a lot of it yeah uh, i i think um yeah the, the only the, i mean i think how you label it is just a bunch of words i mean it, it's more about like how you explain it and and that's that's and how people feel when you explain it but in terms of emotional intelligence why do you think a lot of us are not too well in tune with our um how we're feeling internally do 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 because I, i've thought about this for a while like is it just is it because we're we're afraid or what do you think i i mean they they don't teach you these things in school right so if we're starting right back when we're going through education and things like that i don't i can't remember a time where i've ever been in some sort of lesson um where you know we've kind of been talking about mental health um i might be wrong but i can't think of any experiences when i was younger and growing up that being in touch with your own feelings and uh talking about mental well-being things like mindfulness all of these things are just i don't think are taught and we are kind of just left to fend for ourselves in terms of growing emotional intelligence and dealing with people around us, relationships um, and navigating the people side. I think academically the system is is okay and we, we get through it and, you know, you go through school, you go to university, you get a job, etc, etc. But kind of being a person and being a human being I don't think is taught as well. I don't know what you think about that, but it was just something that I was thinking about the other day. No, it's not. It's not taught very well, which is why I, I, you know, I do what I do because I'm trying to fill gaps in trying to teach not just people who are younger than me, but like, what would I have taught myself at 18 so that I could have been more uh, emotionally and mentally optimized? Because I felt I had a good education. I think like my parents tried their best and, but why were there still gaps in what I knew and what, you know, how I perceived the world? And so I, so that's why I've been thinking, you know, how do you actually teach that? But it is difficult because you can, like, I don't know about your experience, but from my experience, there were people telling me that you should be doing this. But when I was 21, I was like, no, I, I don't need to do that. I, I don't need to meditate. I'm fine. It, it's okay. But when the moment hit that I knew that I had to do certain things, like the experience, that's when it just clicked. And I just don't want people to wait till things click, but I don't know whether I can try to speed up the process. So, yeah. Sorry, I uh, just missed the last bit. No, I just think that, the, the, yeah, I just don't know whether we can actually speed up the process, but uh, we will, I think you talking about imposter syndrome, which is very uh, prevalent in medical school, I know, and I'm sure in dental school too, where uh you 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 work hard when you're younger you do well in your school and then you get into a a cohort that also all did well and then you're like you're back to square one you're fighting amongst the best in a way uh that did well in school so a lot of people definitely feel like but you know who am i to to feel this way so how would you what kind of advice would you give for like uh those doing dentistry right now who are feeling this imposter syndrome of course they're gonna have they can watch this video that you're gonna put out but you can just tell me now i would say um one of the big things that i've tried to stop doing is comparing myself to other people um when we're doing clinical skills in dental school it's very easy to constantly obsess over not only your own work but what someone next to you is doing and I do think there is value in in peer review and and peer feedback but I think there just needs to be an awareness that it's okay if you're not progressing supposedly as as fast as you think you are because dental school medical school you know it's five years there is a a lot long um a long long time that you'll be able to practice these skills and even after you graduate you'll still be learning for life um and kind of 
shifting your mindset to lifelong learning I think helps a lot because you know that you're not expected to be perfect on the first go or the fifth go or the tenth go or you know even down the line there is always something to learn um and and just remembering that no one started on day one you know being a fully fledged dentist or um you know out in the profession at their their highest so try not to compare yourself um and I think as well um accepting that the the feelings that you're getting are also quite normal and sharing them with other people as well might help you to get something off your chest um often when I'm speaking to friends as well and like housemates and things um we realize that we're we're all kind of feeling the, the same feelings of oh are we are we am I doubting myself like my abilities and am I good enough for this so accepting that it's a normal feeling can also help I think it's it's definitely difficult to accept the normal feeling because sometimes the competition uh, that you get from school and then that we all learned from school and and it's very unfortunate that we learned that all together and then we bring it on to later on in adult life and I think I don't know if you feel this way but for me it's like the competition then went away sort of like you start realizing that a lot of the competition really has to do in your head the you don't have to do better than others you just have to be at least in medical school be a safe medical student be a safe doctor nobody's asking you to beat out the best to nobody's asking you to get a distinction you, you're going to get a job you're fine but the point is you know you need to take care of yourself first and then you can take care of others it, it literally makes no sense to me because we're all going to be dentists or doctors uh, and we're all going to be working um there's no you know if i get a job that doesn't mean you can't get a job um and i think a lot of the issue with competition is you you have to think about what you want so as i was saying earlier on like i know in the future what i want is a mix of things in my day-to-day life and and my sort of average week so i i know that that like everyone's goal is very different to someone else's goal so in that literally in that sense that shouldn't create competition because we're all wanting different things um so i think having a think about like what you actually want and um remembering that there is space for everyone um i think that should help a lot i i yeah i think it's there's always this like veil in front of us that even if we want to remember that everything will be fine uh it's easy to to default to this competitive nature that we actually get through so but in terms of uh, co- like comparing a medical uh, in dental school is one thing. Now comparing yourself on YouTube is a whole other thing, where it's it has a similar elements, but you know you're you're creating content, you're growing. How have you dealt with comparing yourself to other people that are creating similar content and also creating uh, just generally? Um. I think it's been difficult at times because there is no instruction manual for YouTube, right? So we're all creating on a platform, trying to do, you know, good content, um, putting it out there consistently, thinking we have an idea of the analytics or maybe, you know, the algorithm and researching things, but there's no, there's no one telling us exactly what to do. Um, the thing with YouTube is though that you can be subscribed to many different channels. So I don't necessarily feel, you know, if, if someone is subscribed to someone else, that doesn't mean they can't be subscribed to me. Um, so in that sense, I don't feel direct competition or anything. I think what I feel is sometimes if I have put out a video that I'm very happy with, um, maybe it's not done so well, just wondering why it hasn't done so well I guess and competition with myself (laughs) week on week I think that's where um my feelings come into it a bit more rather than with other people and for for everyone who hasn't seen the YouTube analytics um (laughs) it 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 ranks all your videos as they perform against each other so it just looks like 
your work is just performing against each other and you're like hoping that maybe your newest video does a little better than your older video and and yeah so it's like it's like a peak of 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 comparing to yourself you know you talk about like only compare to yourself yes but also <laughs> when you do that it's really toxic on youtube i mean it can be yeah, it can be I, I think it's important but it can be and they give you that uh, one out of 10 and there's like confetti and um, if, if your video, sorry, ranks one out of the, the last 10 videos, uh, YouTube kind of makes it this whole thing. And then um, like there's this confetti that comes onto screen. Um, and, and it's like- it's so annoying. That, I know, like that whole display <laughs> makes you then think a bit differently about things. You're like, oh, like you, next time I want to get that. <laughs> it's a strange validation again. <laughs> Because they know, they know. They've obviously done the behavioral studies. Everything is is created for us to keep creating on the platform. But at the same time, I mean, I think it's a good motivator to also put out better work. Because obviously, when when we win, they win, and vice versa as well. So I think it's also creating a relationship with the platform that uh, that th that's what you're doing on YouTube. But why did you choose, you said you weren't using social media so much before, but why did you choose YouTube when YouTube is harder and you could have gone with Instagram where, you know, put a few photos out and, you know, so why YouTube? Um, I like the medium of videos and creating, uh, you know, moving film. I think you can tell a much better story through YouTube and I... Um, I, I like the process of speaking to a camera genuinely. I think although there's there's a lot of preparation and build up to it, when I'm in the moment and I'm filming a video, I really, really do enjoy it. And it gets me into a headspace where I'm thinking about nothing else, just the video idea, what I wanna say uh, and how to get it across. I think with YouTube as well, um, I, I don't know exactly into the analytics, but I've heard it's quite good for discoverability and in terms of matching the right viewers to the right content. So I think there's there's a lot of longevity in that platform as well in terms of building an audience. Uh, and I think a lot of people enjoy videos. It's, you know, if you've got good content and it's interesting uh, and you like the person speaking, I, th I think, you know, it's, it's it's it lasts longer than looking at a photo on Instagram or um, looking at a 15 second TikTok, for example. And I think it's it's definitely hard to look for content on Instagram. Like you can find people, but finding specific content is much harder. So I even find myself, instead of Googling things, I'm typing things into the YouTube search bar, like how to do whatever. So you can teach through YouTube a lot easier. Like if you want to make, you know, kind of educational content or give direct value, YouTube makes it a lot easier as a platform to do that. So uh, you mentioned that it was also difficult. Well, not difficult, but maybe it's, when you start off, you're not very sure what to do. And you did mention recently that you're on the uh, part-time YouTuber Academy. Is that what you're on right now? And so one of the questions I would ask is, so there's some people that obviously would feel like, okay, why, why, this is not me channeling my thoughts because I know the answer, but why pay for, for these kind of courses when I can go on YouTube and find out how to make YouTube videos? Yeah, um, I, I completely see a point. I actually didn't pay for the course. I got a scholarship, so I was very, very lucky um, in that sense. I guess the reason why I wanted to do it in the first place was to give myself a better understanding about how to create sustainable systems around YouTube. So being a full-time university student and a dental student specifically, I am in university a lot of the time. So everything that I'm doing around it is in my own time and, and kind of out of nine to five, for example. Um, and there was a lot of friction in the beginning with coming up with ideas. Um, writing scripts like now I have a script template for example which makes it a lot easier um, learning about uh, the right filming gear and setup um, and also you know just simple things like batching like you know making sure to film or write a few videos at a time and the course has given me better like systems and ways to uh, build this 
sort of process week on week so that I can keep it up and hopefully no matter kind of what changes in my life if I can sustainably go through um the the, the right system and the, and the process I can continue to do it and also the community on on the part-time YouTube academy is, is amazing there are so many incredible people on there that I've met and they are so supportive um they've shared ideas uh and yeah it's, it's just it's been an incredible experience I didn't think I'd get on it but next week is the last week um so I'm gonna be a bit sad when that's over how long is it six weeks yeah so I I think community is very important and being able to constantly be able to ask and 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 talk about some of the things that you're going through like some of the things that we just talked about can also be made better if we had a community to constantly talk about the problems that we're having and I guess that's something that you can't just get on YouTube where you can just Google like how to um, how to make a video that has more watch time or whatever. You can find these answers, but it is nearly unparalleled when you can have proper conversations with people and, and, and try to you know have it more tailored to your thing. Have you um, had you know kind of any sort of community to reach out to or any kind of support system whilst you've been creating content? No, which is why I created, well, the thing about community for me is I, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time messaging and trying to, okay. I don't spend a lot of time creating a community. Even a lot of the people that reach out to me, uh, uh people I talk to now, a lot of people reach out to me. Uh, so, because I don't, I try not to spend too much time, uh, uh, engaging, uh, even though I know it's very useful. Because I, over time, like all this, a lot of trial and error of my own life, I realized that I'd rather just try to figure out things on my own. And then that's how I cope with, with a lot of things. And actually it works very well for me. So one of the things I really then realized was that I may not need a community, but I absolutely love talking to people, which is why I decided to create this podcast because I wanted to see, this is the, this is what I'm building with you. Uh, it's this, this connection is a bit more than if I just texted you back and forth, or if I emailed uh, this, this moment, and then I can share it with someone else. So this is my community building. Uh, a lot of these questions that I asked you were not just for anyone listening. They were, I've now learned a whole bunch of things that I can now take back and think about when I create more videos over the next few months. So, so this is, this is my little hack of community building while also creating content at the same time. Yeah, I I really like what you've done in terms of like repurposing as well. So like not only do you have the podcast, but you're putting it on YouTube, which I think is a really, really smart thing to do. Uh, and you've done, little, I think, small clips on Instagram as well. Uh, and just from the podcast, you've been able to uh, branch out these other areas as well. I, I think that, that I, I've done a lot of random things on social media and several platforms just to find out what I like and what I don't like. I've learned that Instagram is not my favorite thing at all. It's good for photography, for my, for my photography work. But other than that, it just doesn't have the heart. Like, I feel like I can't connect with people. Like, I put up a good photo. I put up a screenshot of a tweet. Uh, that's great. But I feel like I'm not, I'm not reaching into what I'm trying to say to you. And, uh, what I did recently create was, uh, I've created a second YouTube channel. Um, and the sec and it's a clip version of my podcast so that I can optimize the, the podcast into smaller clips. So let's say Raina gives advice to dental students about blah, 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 so that at least it makes it easier for YouTube to show it to someone. And then it's linked to the main podcast. So. I stopped doing it on, on Instagram because I felt like, where is it going? Like people can't search for it. So even if I created, put out a clip of the two of us talking, for, it, it gets lost. And then I feel like I put in all that work, which is why I'm giving a lot of props to YouTube. And, um, like a year ago, Nasser told me karma medic, he was like, dude, just get on YouTube. Like, there's no point like, why make these videos? I didn't listen to him. This is one of those things I knew he was right. But I was like, I'm not going to look I, like, dude, I, let me just try it. And here I am. He's right. One year later, I could have saved a year. 
but uh and and one of my other friends said oh you should start a podcast two years ago i didn't listen to her at the time so you know one of those things you know you got to try you either listen to people or you try as much as you can and then accept that okay this is the right way to go and let's just move forward so that's yeah yeah, I think I, I think it's never too late to start creating content online. Um, I think there's always something that people have to say and to share with people. And there, you know, these platforms aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So as long as you're passionate about what you're speaking about and you have, um, you know, some sort of plan or some sort of idea, then I think it's, yeah, go for it. And so I guess to kind of wrap up in, in terms of what you're just saying about, uh, how you should, if you have something you're passionate about, something you care about, maybe you should consider putting it online. Um, if you could give some very specific advice on, if you're starting on YouTube, let's say I'm starting on YouTube today and I am trying to figure out what I should do. What would be like a general advice you would give someone without knowing too much about what they're about to do? I would say try to think about what kind of videos you would actually like to make um, and how they could either provide value or entertainment or something to people. Um, I would say simply start on your phone. That is absolutely fine. Don't feel like you have to go out and buy fancy cameras uh, lighting anything else you know sit by a window if you if you need light and and just do it just press upload <laughs> it's so scary before you do it but if you just press upload you think there's this thing called in psychology called the spotlight effect you think everyone is looking at you and, and analyzing you they won't be the scariest part is doing the upload and then just let it do its thing um in the beginning no one will be watching obviously but as time goes on, if you consistently show up and you show, uh, you share what you believe in and what you care about, then the right people will come to you. And in the last uh, podcast, Kieran mentioned something that I thought was very cool, or at least I didn't think of it, where you just upload to YouTube, but you can just leave it as private. Like if you're not comfortable, the first, the, the point is, the first step is to record it. The second step is to put it on YouTube. And the third step is to then let everyone see it. So you need to get through the way. If you don't want to go all the way to someone seeing it, I just felt like putting it up there and then keep uploading until the moment you realize, oh, this is the one I'm going to, I'm going to turn this one public. And then over time, most people, once you turn that public, you'll turn the rest public as well. Even uh, if you want to put it as unlisted and send a link to some friends and family that you trust, and maybe they can just watch it and, and, you know, give you a like, give you a comment, whatever it is that will make you feel more comfortable. That is absolutely fine as well. Yeah, that's it. So just get it done. Care about, care about what you're doing. Know who you're giving value to and, 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 and keep showing up every single week. And I think that's, I think that rounds up a lot of what you said. So yeah. thank you so much for spending your time with me and providing me and everyone listening this insight on creating a channel and also overcoming certain barriers, both in dental school and also on YouTube as well. So I really Thank appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. Thank you. All right. See you later. Bye.